Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello, Ray. Hi. And hello to everyone listening. Welcome to our podcast. If this is the first time you've joined us, you're extremely welcome. Um, today we're on Influential People Part 2. So this, um, Ray, we met, this was now two weeks ago, to start a new series, which we may not do every week. We're going to dot it um, over the coming months, where we go back across your life and talk about some of the influential people in your faith. And the last one, episode one, we talked about Father um, Ronald Arthur, Ivy Porter and Billy Graham. Um, and I'm sure everyone has heard of at least one of those names. Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. I had some nice comments, Good. Um, which, is, which is great. And today we're going to work down the list. And I can say, uh, with absolute certainty, I don't know any of the names that we may cover today, which is exciting um, to hear about these people. So... Um, can I just ask how how was it for you uh, so two weeks ago sort of going back in a nonchalant way over your history did you enjoy it yes I did yes it's um, it's good to remember and be thankful because you own you are only what the influences on your life have made you in a way mm. and God uses them and God uses the most surprising um, and the most unlikely to establish you as somebody. Um, and it gives you a bit of significance and um, gives you a greater understanding, I think. The one that stuck in my mind over this past fortnight is Ivy Porter. You know, Bagheera. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, scout leader. And the fact that you found out recently that she had been praying for you yeah. all her life until... You know, she passed away when you were 70 or something. Yeah. Which is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And this is what staggers me. Yeah. People's prayerfulness yeah. and faithfulness. Um, and I found that with my dear grandmother. And this is person number one for today. Grandmother. Oh. Yes. Because, Let's crack on. Um, she was a lovely lady who was widowed relatively young. My grandfather died before I ever met him, wow. um, I think around 60 or something like that. And um, she carried on, and she t tended to spend much of her time in the later years going and staying with her children, grandchildren and so on for a sh few weeks here and a few weeks there, and it took her all over the country. Um, but she somehow regarded um, the area in which I lived as home. That was where her youngest son lived. Um, and I heard relatively recently from a cousin in Hull in Yorkshire that she had been staying with him and his wife at the point when she was terminally ill. Um, and she said to them, I want to go and finish my life 
by near where Ray is. Gosh. And, and I didn't know this. Um, what happened was she came, she was dying, and I went to see her. What stage in life were you at? I was at college. Right. Um, and so the theological college? Theological yeah. college, yes. So I went to see her, and I remember vividly sitting on the edge of the bed with my arms around her, which is what she wanted, it seemed. And she died in my arms. Oh, wow. Um, I discovered that she had daily prayed for me. Oh. I gave her, at the end, what she wanted. And it was, some, it was somehow related to... She, she was clearly found it very important that she had a grandchild who was training for ordained ministry. Yeah. It mattered to her. And um, also I had, during the latter part of the Second World War and beyond, I would frequently be packed off to stay with her um, and at a time when she rented a cottage in Nottinghamshire. Where were you living that you needed to I was living up? in the northwest Middlesex sub right. suburbs, London suburbs. Okay, so it's a slightly risky area. No, not really, no. It was fairly comfortable middle um, suburbia. Okay. Um, with pockets of um, council housing and the like we, I, I lived in. Okay, so were you packed away because of risk or...? That was part of it, yes, okay. certainly. And um, it was some of my happiest times in my childhood. Mm. But, uh, so that was something really special to learn and discover and to participate in, be part of God's plan for somebody mm. in their last moments. So do you, when you look back at it now, is that like a beautiful moment? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm. How old was she? She was 79, I think. Okay. And had it been expected, you know, you knew she Oh, was... it was coming, but um, I, uh, I think it all, a long and very arduous life caught up on her. Mm. Um, she had 11 children. <laughs> and um, with the multiple experiences of those children... Um, a demanding life. Um, yeah, not an easy life not at all. Not easy life. But um, very much in my heart. Mm. But, um, and yeah, um, I went that last occasion. I managed to get out of college for some, somehow. <laughs> uh, because, uh, yeah. I speak to so many people um, who have had significant grandmothers yeah. in faith. There's, there's a huge number of people have somebody within the family unit um, who's been quietly yeah. beavering and yeah. prayer for them. Yeah. And you know, we've got, I've got several. Um, I've got a cousin who's 
spent most of her life married. Um, she was 81 yesterday, um, but she was in China working there, um, had a ministry there years, committed Christian, um, and others around, yes. Yeah, the role of family, so important, and quietly, as you said, I like that, beaving away in prayer. Yep, fascinating. Oh, what a lovely person to start off today's episode with. Next on my list, if we're ready to move on, Martin Parsons. Yes, yes, dear Martin. He was the vicar at Emmanuel Northwood, um, in my early years as a Christian um, and was very influential on me at a time when I was considering ordination and eventually put myself forward for ordination and got town, turned down for ordination <laughs> um, but uh, persevered for four years before I was able to see the bishop again um, very difficult bishop went to his eternal reward eventually um, and um, but Martin was my vicar. Um, Martin and Emily, lovely, lovely, lovely couple. His wife would welcome you to the vicarage um, with open arms. Always um, wasn't shake hands. It was a big hug. <laughs> uh, so yes, and. It, I remember that he nurtured me in a, perhaps it might seem a strange way, but on Saturday afternoons, when I wasn't working, I would go and help in the garden with him. It was his day off, but he spent it with me, seeing me assisting in the garden every Saturday. and. We finished with toast and marmite. (laughs) I'm one of those who has a taste for marmite. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And um, he was an extraordinary man. He had a lovely family. um, And his eldest son, David, was my predecessor at my first appointment as a vicar. In Suffolk. Oh wow, that's a nice um, link. So the connection went yeah. on. Um, but he had been working earlier on among, with the church's uh, ministry to Jewish people um, in Poland. Then uh, also he was in Ireland for a while. But he somehow and landed up in the suburbs of London outer suburbs northward where he his ministry of teaching and preaching impacted on me significantly but I saw perceived beyond that and got to know him as a lovely man Mm. a bit shy um, and one who cared deeply for those who felt responsible for and during his ministry I was not by any means the only clergy product of his ministry John Perry was one who became Bishop of Chelmsford um, and a 
others. Um, and this is where my mind starts to go. But a, a whole string of young men, it was just young men in those mm. um, coming forward for ordination. Did he see it in you, or did you go to him and say, I feel like I've... No, I think he saw it in me. Mm. Um, but um, he saw it... He saw the perseverance of waiting for several years mm. before I could reapply. And I think the persistence was something that he recognised as from God. Yeah. Um, which was gratifying. Amazing. Mm. And I, I suppose and what he got out of it was a nice tidy garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he obviously says Saturdays was his gardening day. Yeah. Um, but he allowed me to intrude on it. And, and that's really precious. Isn't it? I mean, he could very well want to just be in his own head with God, just praying while he gardens. Yeah. Invited you into that. Yeah. That is really special. And it was he who recommended me to the patrons of St John's Woodbridge um, to follow his son as in my first job as a vicar. Wow. Um, it was all to do with people whom he knew. and yeah. Was that a good appointment? I know we're skipping forward was, a bit. It was um, a very important one for me. It was a very exciting one in lots of ways. Yeah. Um, it gave me opportunities to be right at the heart of a diocese. Um, I'd very close confidant of the bishop, uh, John Wayne. One wonderful name, isn't it, John Fantastic. Wayne? Fantastic. <laughs> Hit your horse up outside. Uh, <laughs> and um, he, I, I vividly remember, um, standing at the door of the bishop's palace in Ipswich. Bit of a come down from a. Bishop Paris to Ipswich, but never mind. <laughs> uh, and saying to John, who's gone to be with the Lord now, by the way, but he was sh sharing with me an idea that we were having about evangelism. And I said to him, God is telling me that you are at heart an evangelist who needs to be out there winning people for Christ. Um, and this is a senior bishop. Yes. <laughs> and um, wow. but such was our relationship that he took that up. He and myself and the archdeacon got a, the sort of core of a plan together. And through the coming period of Lent, we eventually organised um, an evangelistic meeting in each deanery of the diocese at which the bishop spoke. We organised all the surrounding details and 4,000 commitments to Christ wow. happened. Wow. And the whole diocese was turned upside down finances were transformed and the whole the whole thing was so exciting wow um 
you know, Billy Graham, eat your heart out. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a, it was great. And as I say, that was my first appointment as a, as a vicar. So, but John, John Wayne was the bishop. And John was my bishop. Yeah. Um, and then I'm looking down the list. I don't, he's did, dead. Yeah. And we didn't, we actually didn't have him on the list already. So how lovely oh, no, to have mentioned he him. was. But that was a significant moment. Here's another one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. Amazing. We wandered really from Martin Parsons. Yeah. To John Wayne, with whom it links. Um, And the other one we mentioned was David Bubbers. Yeah, this will be the... This will be the final person for today. David Bubbers. David, David was Martin Parsons' successor. At Emmanuel Northwood as vicar. Um, It was he who conducted our marriage. Um, So he was a special link. And he went on to be General Secretary of the Church Pastoral Aid Society. Right. Followed a string of people who I had known um, from Canon Moen, T.G. Moen, back in the. When was it? A long time ago, anyway, um, who was eventually followed by Tim Dudley Smith, who became a bishop in Thetford and North Norfolk. Um, and David Bubbers went on from Emmanuel to, as I say, be in charge of CPAS. Mm. David was known by his background, in part, in that he had been in the Salvation Army. So mm. he came frequently to Jersey. Um, he used to come and do the week um, teaching um, at the place in St. Um, Bernard. Oh, wow. Um, what's the Methodist Hotel? Yes, I forget the name of it. So yeah. it's gone from me, but yeah. I've got an excuse. Yeah, it's umbrellas. I've never been. But I know exactly where, where you mean. Right, so he used to come over. And he used to do... The t- and, but he always... When David travelled, he took his trombone. So he would always insist on having... And we, we often got him to preach at St. Juan. And he'd always insist on preach, having a, a, a hymn that required a trombone or, <laughs> or benefited from a trombone. Yeah, benefited, yeah. <laughs> but I vividly remember the humility of the man mm. who was, was sitting, happened to visit him a day when the then Bishop of London was also with him. But he said, come in, come sit down. Um, and they were considering his appointment as... General Secretary of CPAS, Church Pastoral Aid Society. Um, And David was saying that he didn't want to leave parish work. The bishop was saying, you will have greater influence on parishes, multiple parishes, if you go to CPAS. Um, And that day the decision was made. David to go on and become General Secretary of CPAS and much to the enormous benefit of CPA Mm. 
How many years was he general secretary? I'm not sure. It's quite a while, quite a few years, and he was much valued. And just to add some context, CPS do many different things, but we spoke about this a few times. They manage the appointment of yeah, a several number, hundred, several hundred. Yeah churches in yep. in the UK that's right so they're in charge of appointing new leaders yes to those positions yes and and they do things so incredibly well yeah um, I mean the whole business of appointments um, is is a slightly strange one um, the the right to appoint in certain places is is very odd mm. I mean when there was a church in Suffolk where the patron, the patron is the one who appoints, um, was Cornish Manures Limited. What? Cornish Manures Limited. So bizarre. And you think to yourself, how on earth did that happen? Yeah. Um, does it still exist? I've no idea. Um, but there were, there were some pretty obscure yeah. patrons around in those days. And uh, but the the best of the bunch, perhaps arguably, um, were the ones who did it seriously. Yeah, but CPAS. I mean, they've got a great website. Um, yeah. I think it's dot org, not dot com. But they do courses. There's online yeah. stuff. Some currently they're doing read webinars and things like that, that all for the all for the leadership of the church and empowering yeah. and equipping yeah. you know the, the materials are absolutely the yeah. tops yeah and their staff are lovely um uh, and um i value them hugely just to wind back just emmanuel northwood as a whole how many years were you a member of that church um, well, I suppose from about 1956, 55, 56 to 1963, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And so Martin Parsons, was he, you know, sort of, the, he was half of the time? Roughly, yes. And then David Bubba's for David the second Bubbers, half. Yeah. And, and when you left Emmanuel Northwood, it's because you left to go to uh, theological college. Well, no, I, I remained part of Emmanuel. I saw myself as belonging still to a home church. Right, okay. And that was still my home church. And because Oak Hill um, it was in the suburbs of London, north, and Emmanuel was northwest, I still, doing holidays and the like. Right, you went back to Emmanuel Northwood. Went back home. Right, got you, okay. So when you left Emmanuel Northwood, so Oak Hill was the theological college, but when you left Emmanuel Northwood, it was to take up your first, My first role as a curacy. Yes. yes. Oh, right, okay. In Mosside, Manchester. Gosh, so, I mean, Emmanuel Northwood, two people, two very influential people, foundational in, um, you know, developing your faith from this earlier stuff yep. and then projecting you forward through theological college and beyond. Yes. Wow. And the first afternoon, following my ordination, my vicar asked me to go and help move a piano. <laughs> I've arrived! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> that's probably a good, a good experience, though, because that's the reality. Often you do oh, find absolutely. yourself doing stuff. And, um, uh, 
And then I, the, follow, the following day after that, um, I went to see somebody following a bereavement. Mm. Um, and I was visited the family in the kitchen. And on my way out afterwards, they said to me, you would like to see Mrs. White, wouldn't you? And I had no idea that one is expected to go and make suitable Gosh. remarks about the dead person in the, in the laid out in the living room. Whoa! Yeah. I mean, that's going to be rare these days. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And you did, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. No, I didn't say that. What no. did I say? I have no idea. <sighs> Probably something about looks so peaceful, peaceful. yeah oh good grief that hasn't, that hasn't happened to but me <laughs> immediately the multiplicity of tasks yeah and the range of things within the first two days within the first two days <laughs> and, uh, oh well yeah. i mean <clears throat> i don't know that's probably where we're going to end up moving next week because we're well actually you know next week i think we're moving on to some theologians and some, yep. some tutors at college actually um but, oh yes. That's... Yeah, which is going to be which is going to be good. Which won't actually be next week. It'll be next episode, which might be in a few weeks' time. So look out for that. That'll be episode three. Yeah. Well, what a what a fantastic episode. We've chatted about your grandmother. Uh, we've chatted about Martin Parsons and then John Wayne um, and David Bubbers as mm. as we finished. Okay. Thank you so much for your time, Ray. Not at all. Not at all. Been great. See you next time. Yep. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.